The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Now, it's the Ellis Martin Report. If you stay tuned, you'll hear expert insight, commentary, and potential financial opportunity. Is it strange that companies featured on this program have given us cash money to be portrayed here? No way. They want you to know what's going on. Some of the analyst segments are sponsored as well. Catch us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report. Ellis Martin. The following segment is sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp. Trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. El Tigre Silver Corp. is focused on silver exploration and development in prolific Sonora State, Mexico. Find them on the web at eltigresilvercorp.com. Join me for a conversation with a frequent guest of the show, David Morgan, the Silver Guru, an expert on money, metals, and mining, also a lecturer and an author. Mr. Morgan has written Get the Skinny on Silver Investing, available on Amazon.com. His website is themorganreport.com. David, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Al. It's great to be back. The Dow seems to be headed north. Gold is meandering, and junior mining companies are languishing in the doldrums still. Are things about to change with the economic data that's been released during the last week? I do think things are about to change. If you look at the gold XAU ratio, it's, I think, two sigmas, I was told recently, off. In other words, this is an anomaly. You don't usually see this big a discrepancy between the price of gold and the underlying mining equities. It's huge. So it's a big, big, big opportunity, but people don't see opportunities until it's the 2020 rearview mirror type of thing. So it is an opportunity. It just takes some conviction, and, of course, it's been dragging on and going sideways to down for quite some time. Nonetheless, an opportunity is an opportunity. Again, looking back, everyone will see it, but for right now it's hard to see, but it's right there in front of us. Okay, so you and I and a few of the other analysts may be optimistic But many of the companies I've been speaking to just aren't there yet. They're just not there yet. Why is that? Well, I think we're going to see uh, another shakeout. I mean, in all honesty, there's a lot of juniors out there that don't have much merit. And so they are not going to be able to get the funding they need to continue. And they don't have enough real assets, or at least discovered, that they'll be bought out or merged. So I think you're going to see another shakeout like we've already seen once in the mining cycle, where some of these story stocks will just go away. So it's one of those things that I really try to caution our members of the Morgan Report about. And that is, when you do a speculation, bet money you can afford to lose. You know, you should have at least five, preferably ten, equal dollar amounts in all of them. Everyone likes to know, well, what's your favorite one? You know, anytime you give a favorite, it's going to do the opposite. It's really hard to know because the market always seems to know more than anyone, myself included. That's the way to approach it. Now, there have been times when we've had a, what I'll call rank speculation, and we continue to watch the story, and it becomes a growth stock. And we put out a curve on that recently in one of the Morgan reports showing a plot that really comes from Pierre Lassonde, one of the most respected mining guys in the industry, 
about how a discovery goes and what the price does and what goes through the mining cycle and where the sweet spot to buy a, a stock or a company is. Sometimes we get lucky or serious with our work, whatever you want to term it, and we've hit that a few times. So we would actually have a speculation that turns into a company that was very robust. Western Copper, which became Western Silver, is one of those. Uh, we had it because of speculation as the story unfolded, the drilling continued, and on and on it went. We actually added to the position as the story unfolded, if you will. So there are reasons to add to these small-cap companies that become you know, giants over time. It doesn't happen that often. I think the main problem with some of the juniors is everyone thinks that they've got one that's going to do that. My experience is if you do it once or twice, consider yourself extremely lucky. Because to think you can do it three times, it's phenomenal. We've probably had that track record, but also I've been doing this for 40 years. I've been investing in mining equities since I was 118. Again, caution, but it's a great place to be. It's just understanding risk. Most people, again, use too much risk trying to make too much money. Usually risk and reward go hand in hand, but you've got to be smart. When you buy a lottery ticket, if you buy one, that's a low risk. And if you win, that's a high reward. And that's kind of the idea on some of these juniors. The mid-tiers, you can afford to put more money in because there's more information. The top tiers, you can afford more money because the whole story is pretty much there. So this is how we do our portfolio analysis is to basically weight the portfolio where your risk is mitigated, but you still have a chance for a high return. So really, right now, unless a company is near production, going into production, or in production, if they don't have any money in the bank, if they're still a grassroots exploration company, and they're a junior, you must write them off. Pretty much. I mean, I hate to be harsh, but, you know, this thing has dragged on for almost two years now, uh, and a lot of these companies are not going to be able to raise more money. And if they can, and I think that's questionable, but let's say they can, they're going to dilute so badly on their shares because they'll be borrowing money or using equity and diluting so much that they would have to have a spectacular find in order for the present shareholders to make any money. I mean, this is just a fact of the market. I don't want to be harsh. I just want to be truthful. And that's the way it is. Again, you know, the one thing I've seen in this business over and over and over is most people buy too many junior mining companies. They don't buy the top tier or the mid-tiers where you pretty much got an investment. They are doing rank speculation and, again, thinking they can pick the right one and they're going to go, you know, this one's going to give them an easy retirement or you know, whatever, whatever their goal is. These are fantasies most of the time, unfortunately. And, you know, it's just the way it is. I mean, I'm just telling it like I see it. Again, there's a way to approach the market that puts the odds in your favor, and that's by balancing correctly. So it's a bit worse than Vegas odds right now. We can perhaps say that 90% of the juniors aren't worth looking at. Just to pick a number, is that correct? Alex, I don't know what the exact number is. I don't think anyone does, but I just read an article by Brent Cook, and he said that about 30% of the junior market's just going to be gone. They're just, what I said earlier, they won't have the money, and they don't have an asset that's worth enough for any company to want to buy them out. And I think that's an accurate number. So you could probably kiss away about 30% of the market, which is, you know, roughly a third. And that's just a number he came up with. I tend to agree with that. Again, look carefully. You know, it's a new year. It's a good time to, you know, everyone has their New Year's resolutions, or most people. It's a good time to check out what you own, why you own it, and, 
You know, there's nothing wrong with taking a loss. The best hitters in baseball strike out a lot. The best quarterbacks throw interceptions now and again. I mean, no one gets it right 100% of the time in the investing market. But part of the strategy is to admit when you're wrong and move on. And I just might take a moment, Ellis, and tell you that we have one in the junior sector, and this is a gold situation, and this has got grades that are, believe it or not, the grades here are round numbers, 100 grams per ton. I mean, this is extremely high grade. Now, the high grade thing doesn't really get me excited because I see it from time to time, but it's over very small intervals. In other words, during the drill, they've got six inches of an ounce per ton or something like that, or 100 grams per ton, but it's a small interval. In this particular case, one of these drills came back, and it's over 10 meters. And then on another drill that they have was about half that size, and the grams per ton on that one were basically off the charts. This is one that we actually gave out to our mastermind group some time ago, and the stock went from roughly three to four during this rather lousy market. So someone's paying attention. This is one that we look at almost everyone else's work. I haven't seen anyone else's picked up on this particular company. It's something that we are going to be putting out, not in the February issue that comes out this weekend, but we'll be putting it in the March issue the Morgan Report. Speculation, yes, but the old adage, grade is king, applies to us. We really like that. The higher the grade, the more margin you have. Uh, there's lots of reasons for that. In fact, there's a special report within the members-only portion of the website called Archie's Rule. Dr. Peter McGaw actually did the lecture for us. And if you're really serious about making money, I mean really serious about it, then this is something you really ought to study and find out what the real cost of mining are versus what the expected price of the metals are and what kind of margin you need to have a viable business. And those numbers will surprise you. So it's a good way to just kind of have a rule of thumb to say, you know, if this company has this asset, it costs this much to get out of the ground, the price of the commodity is this, and is the margin, and there's a factor there, is the factor that or greater than that? And if it's not, really you have no business being in that company. And again, coming back to what we talked about earlier with the Brent Cook article, I mean, this is the kind of analysis you could do on some of those companies. A lot of them you don't have enough data and say, this doesn't make any sense. There's no reason to own this. Let's do the math on that 100 grams per ton of gold. What is that potentially? About three ounces of gold. So if you go to 1,500 an ounce, I can do it in my head, that's 4,500 a ton, $4,500 a ton. I mean, the Red Lake District with Gold Corp had some phenomenal grades as well. But this is the kind of company that if you get in early can actually make you some substantial money. I mean, these kind of mining companies are the ones that will outperform gold. They just always do. Uh, there's no reason to think this one won't. Even in a market like this where no one's paying attention, and it's a buying opportunity in two ways. One, I don't think anyone really knows about it. Two, it's at the bottom of the market. It's the bottom of the cycle. Even as bad as the market is, this company is a dollar move on a $3 stock. That's a 33% gain. Silver Wheaton had a great year last year. They're up like 22%, but silver's only up 8%. So that shows you that the right choices of mining companies do outperform the metal, but they're few and far between. But right now, now I don't want to over-amp this. I get called a lot of things. I don't really care. I do my job. I do the best I can. I'm human. I do make errors. But this one is one I like. It's one that, again, we're going to be putting out to our basic readers. I mean, this is, you would, you know, spend money to get a research analysis done. And we've already done it because we did give it out to, like I said, our top tier people some time ago. And now I'm confident letting the other members have it. And the reason for that is a lot of the risk has gone away from further drilling. And so I like it enough and I think it's safe enough 
to give it to people because, quite honestly, to repeat myself, a lot of people will see this kind of story and they'll buy too much of it. Something could go wrong, but boy, if you're going to speculate, this is the type of speculations that I like to do. So you're not going to tell me who the company is? I feel like I'm on a second or third date and I'm being teased a little bit, David. Yeah, I know. Well, sorry, i got to make a living. <laughs> and I have to be fair. I mean, basically, the SEC is very strict about giving individual investment advice. So you basically have to put it out to your paid membership first. And once that's accomplished, then you can pretty much start talking about it. Okay, fair enough. Speaking of paid, we have a paid sponsor of this program and this segment, El Tigre Silver Corp. We were both at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference very recently. I understand you mentioned El Tigre in your workshop there. Right. First of all, full disclosure, I own El Tigre. Uh, it's a speculation, so it's a small portion. I like Stuart a lot and what he's doing, and junior mining industry is extremely difficult. But they're spending their cash carefully. They're getting good drills. They also have a tailing situation that pretty much, based on their economic analysis, is going to feed cash into the company. So I like those kind of safety factors. And while they've got what I call that safe factor surrounding the story, they also have the ability to go out and you know drill more and probably get a better asset or determine a, the size of an asset. Would I say it's as good as the gold company I was just hinting at? Probably not. But as far as the silver space is concerned, I like this company. I like El Tigre. I did mention it in the workshop. I said, if you want to take a look at some of the criteria that I like, I mentioned what I just said. The reasons being, is this one is going to be blow off the charts and go crazy? I don't know. You know, I always get asked, what's your favorite little mining company? And I don't answer that question because the market always seems to baffle all of us. The ones that you think would be better than others aren't necessarily, don't really come out that way or whatever. So it's a good idea when you are in a speculation mode to just buy a basket. But I do not like, you know, 100 or 30 or I, I think 10 is plenty. I don't like the idea that you buy 100 junior mining companies. I know, and I won't name names, but some of the better known guys in the industry that would have 100 junior mining companies. This is way back early in the cycle. But still, my approach is different. My approach is different than a lot of other approaches. And there isn't a right or wrong to it. It's just what I've determined to be a good approach that works and, again, mitigates risk and helps keep the reward high. We'll be right back. The Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp., trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. Silver has been considered a precious metal for 6,000 years and currency since 600 B.C. It's been commercially mined in Mexico since 1530 in mineral prolific and mining-friendly Sonora State, where El Tigre Silver Corp.'s 5,000-meter drill program is now underway. El Tigre's properties with gold and silver mining concessions span approximately 267 square miles. With an attractive share structure and a strong, proven management team, El Tigre Silver Corp. is poised to identify a resource in an area that from 1903 to 1938 produced 75 million ounces of silver and 380,000 ounces of gold. Additionally, their tailing stockpile is currently progressing to production. Learn more about El Tigre Silver Corp. by visiting their website, eltigresilvercorp.com, or click through El Tigre's logo on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. We offer expert opinions only. Find them on our website, ellismartinreport.com. And we're back. I'm on your website right now, themorganreport.com. My eyes are going to these words because they're bold. Buy, buy, and buy some more. What do I buy? What I'm talking about is that we're at a bottom, uh, especially for the mining equities. 
And as we talked about early in the show, that, uh, you know, we're two sigmas off. I mean, this is a, an anomaly. This is something that only happens like once every 30 years. So if I could tell you to buy something that only occurred every 30 years, that's how rare it is. You know, most people would listen up. I mean, if you could buy a rare automobile that the price was a 30-year low and you were a car collector, saying, oh, my God, I'm jumping on that deal, or fine art, or whatever happens to be of interest to a particular individual. But you'd say, hey, the mining equities are dirt cheap. You're getting real value. Here's the ones to pick. People just ignore you. And that's a bottom. I mean, I've seen bottoms enough in my life to know, from my experience, that people don't buy bottoms. And that's unfortunate because six months from now, when these stocks have moved up at a fairly rapid clip and we're doing your show, say, well, what happened? I'll say, well, remember back at the beginning of 2013, February 1st, and I said, this is a bottom and you should be buying it, that there wasn't any volume, but now the volumes are record volumes and people are jumping in but the prices are up 50% or whatever they are and is that six months down the road or not I don't know but I know we're going to get there and I think it's going to start this year so be selective take your time do your homework and don't be afraid and get a little help by perhaps subscribing to the Morgan Report thank you for that and it's not just the Morgan Report I mean there's a lot of guys out there that are very serious about this industry we are of course but there's others as well one thing I will caution people and that is the Morgan Report is not a first-time newsletter readers periodical it really isn't it's for people that have some investing experience what I call seasoned investors somebody that's taken a loss someone that knows financial terms and that type of thing. I mean, if you just want to learn and you're a college student, you don't know anything about investing and you have the attitude of whatever I don't understand, I'm going to look up on Google and do my own research, that's fine. But if you think this is a beginner's newsletter, it is not. This is for a rather sophisticated audience. And we don't try to talk over anyone's heads. We do put it in a vernacular that's suitable for anybody. But nonetheless, you can't get around it. You know, when you're in the mining industry, you're going to use mining terms. And so even though we have a glossary on the member section, you can look up all this stuff. It's something that if you've never invested in the mining stocks before, this is probably not the best place to start. Now, you're also recommending a sister website for those that are ready to acquire serious research about a select group of resource companies before possibly investing. Tell us about that. Yeah, the last thing is, Ellis, you know, as much work as goes into Morgan Report, I think the other sister site, Riches in Resources, that's richesinresources.com, and these have individual reports, and you can just buy these. So if you're going to invest in an XYZ mining company, but you're not sure, you can buy one of these reports. I think they're 39 or $49, and that might save you a lot of heartache down the road. Just find out what the financials are in the company, how much money they have in the bank, what the projected internal rate of return is, what you expect. Conversely, if you're already in a company and you're thinking, well, should I sell it or not, you could buy a report. Now, we don't have every report. I say it's a sister website. The reason I say that is some of the independent guys that do research for us started this website, and they continue to put up report after report. We have a little box on there that says, you know, I'd like to find out about such and such mining company doesn't mean we'll do research on that one, but it's market-driven more or less. So this is something I think people can look at, richesandresources.com. If you're thinking of buying a company, you might be able to find a report on it before you buy, or if you're in a company, you want to find out, should I hold it or maybe sell it? You could also buy a report on that company. Now, are all the companies in there? No. The site will grow over time, and again, there's a box on the site that says, geez, I really would like to see a report on, and you put the name of the company in the box. Again, it doesn't guarantee that these guys will do it, but it does offer an opportunity to at least get your wishes known. 
Well, thanks for sharing that information with us, David. Again, that website is richesandresources.com. Thanks for joining me on the program today. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you. I've been chatting with David Morgan of themorganreport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Listen to this segment again on the podcast page of our website, ellismartinreport.com. This segment has been sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp. Trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. El Tigre Silver Corp. is focused on silver exploration and development in prolific Sonora State, Mexico. Find them on the web at eltigresilvercorp.com. Subscribe to our news alerts. When one of our sponsor companies puts out some news, you'll know about it fast. Register at ellismartinreport.com. The following segment is sponsored by Bellhaven Copper and Gold, a junior mining company with cash to support its current drill program, plus a foundational resource of copper and gold to build upon in Latin America. Bellhaven Copper and Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol BHV and in the U.S., as BHVCF. Dudley Baker is the editor of JuniorMiningResources.com. Mr. Baker has 35 years of accumulated knowledge and experience in trading stocks, options, leaps, futures, options on futures, and warrants. As part of his service, he provides insights as to when insiders are buying and selling and issues buy and sell recommendations based on his research. Dudley, welcome back to the program. Hey, good to be back, Ellis. Has anything changed in the markets in the sort of January, February quiet zone that we're in? You know, it, the markets, to me, are so darn quiet. But if you're looking at, say, gold specifically, I mean, the interday volatility within a really tight range of somewhere from, let's say, 1665 up to the 1680, within a matter of seconds, literally, gold is flopping down 10 to $12. If you were a, a trader in gold, I, I don't know, maybe that would be a good thing for you, but it's happening so fast, I don't know how you take advantage of that. You just got to take a step back, and from where we're at, we're still in this consolidation mode for gold and silver both. It's really tightening up, oh, this little range is tightening, so we're getting ready for a, a big breakout, I think, and I think that's coming to the upside uh, probably sooner rather than later, at least within the next uh, couple of weeks. You're consolidating your portfolio as well in some areas. In other areas, you're taking larger positions in stocks you already own. I'm always, and I think it's good for all investors to always be visiting your current portfolio. What do you own? Why do you own it? And you might ask the question, if I didn't own it, would I be buying that same stock today? So always asking your, yourself and second-guessing yourself on your positions. I don't want anybody, from my perspective, to become a trader. I'm not a trader. I want to be a, a long-term investor. But I still think we all have to be on top of the positions that we do have. So basically, I've tried to tighten mine up. So, Ellis, within my service, Precious Metals Warrants, my subscribers get to see my top 40 positions. For some individuals, that's gonna they're going to say, holy smokes, 40, that's just way too many you know, for me to deal with. And that's okay. I can appreciate that. Others are going to say, well, my gosh, is that all that you've got? I mean, I, maybe some people have have a lot more positions than that. But I have the ability to, to manage a lot with Excel spreadsheets and, and this being my business. So I feel like this is a very comfortable number for me to keep a handle on. And again, we just got to remember, we're all different as individuals. We still have to have our diversification here. Is there a real benefit then to sitting on cash right now? 
let's just face it, cash is probably never a bad position to be in. It's difficult for me personally to hold on to much cash. I just continue to find interesting opportunities virtually every day. Interesting opportunities, it sounds outrageous, but more or less a 10 cents range or less. And you think, holy smoke. So it's, it's difficult for me to hang on to the cash. I know when the market takes off for these resource shares, it's going to be nothing for them to go up 50 to 100% just really, really quick in the blink of an eye. Why the continued drops and doldrums? It's just due from what my observation is, a lack of buyers. The bids are just falling away. It doesn't take too many uh, sell transactions to just really knock the stock down anymore, these little penny ones. And I'm looking at these opportunities and just continue to look and look and look and <laughs> And cash permitting, you know, I'm pretty much deploying as we go. But net cash can never be a bad thing to have. We'll be right back. The Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by Bellhaven Copper and Gold, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol BHV and the U.S. as BHVCF. Columbia is no longer the country made famous by Tom Clancy books. Terrorists have been tamed and corruption has been cleaned up. In 2012, the World Bank cited Colombia as the safest jurisdiction in Latin America for foreign investment. The country is now host to at least seven major mining companies and numerous junior exploration companies, companies such as Bellhaven Copper and Gold. The Caca Belt of Colombia hosts more than 63 million ounces of gold in resources and reserves, and more than 40 million ounces of that has been discovered in the past six years. In a depressed market for resource equities, Bellhaven's quality resources at surface and a world-class gold belt, cash to advance current drilling, and strong management make it both a value stock and a growth stock. Find Bellhaven on the web at bellhavencg.com. We offer expert opinions only. Find them on our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. And we're back. While you've made money for your subscribers during the past few years, and many of them know that they have to exercise a great deal of patience, what are you saying to them right now with regard to your weekly newsletter? What you're hearing right now is, is basically what I tell my guys all the time, except in the service, you know, we're talking about specific companies that we own and that are in my portfolio and, and what I'm thinking and here's the opportunities, etc. The whole challenge for investors right now is to be patient. And I know that so many, probably my subscribers and our listeners, are so damn tired of hearing that word, patience, but we're not quite there yet. And the deal is don't get tired, don't get frustrated. We all want the markets to go higher as of yesterday right but it's just it hasn't happened yet i'm convinced as are most of the newsletter writers and analysts in the business here that the big move in the shares our bull market so to speak is still in front of us this is what i'm looking forward to by no means do we want any of our followers to be capitulating here at the last moment there's no reason really right now to sell some of your depressed positions. And if you can't afford to hold on to them to begin with, then you really shouldn't be in the market. And we know that each individual has different circumstances, but on balance, you said it just right. It takes patience to play this game, especially in the natural resource sector, because the, the drawdowns, the amount that a stock can drop before we see that, that uptick can be an incredible percentage and, and it's difficult for a lot of people to be able to do this and I always ask the question so why the hell do we do this <laughs> we do it because 
we are still looking for these opportunities here all the time of the juniors that can outpace the market, you know, and in a good environment perform, you know, to 500 to 1,000 percent or more gains. And this is what I'm personally looking for and that I'm looking for for our subscribers. Tell us about your website, JuniorMiningResources.com. What that is, Junior Mining Resources, is our new marketing portal. Trying to brand it as Dudley Pierce Baker's JuniorMiningResources.com allows me to do a couple of different things. Both of our for-pay services are still under the umbrella, freestanding services of PreciousMetalsWarnings.com and TheGreedyGuru.com. But I've just decided to broaden it out from a marketing standpoint. It gives me a little bit more flexibility. We've also created another site, Junior miningnews.com getting a lot of followers on twitter here another good friend that lives here in mexico ken smith doing a great job cherry picking and i'm proud in such a short time that we've done this we've got some of the major players in the business that are actually following us being juniorminingnews.com on twitter and actually reposting some of our articles that we find we're getting a lot of traction a lot of good following here and that's pretty cool Hey, if I may, right here, Ellis, I'd like to, like to make a, a comment here. I want to personally, you know, thank our new sponsor that we've got here, Bellhaven Copper and Gold, that trades on the Venture Exchange under the symbol BHB. So it's Baker, Harry, B is in Victor. So I'd like to welcome them on board and giving us this opportunity for you and I to chit-chat. That's cool, and really appreciate uh, them coming on board. Well, we certainly do appreciate them sponsoring this segment of our program, and I look forward to speaking with you again in the near future. Thanks so much for joining me today on the program. Good deal. Thanks, Ellis. I've been chatting with Dudley Baker of JuniorMiningResources.com. Listen to this segment again on the podcast page of our website, EllisMartinReport.com. This segment has been sponsored by Bellhaven Copper and Gold, a junior mining company with cash to support its current drill program, plus a foundational resource of copper and gold to build upon in Latin America. Bellhaven Copper and Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol BHB and in the U.S. as BHVCF. Contact our sponsor companies directly. They're on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. Ian Chalmers is the managing director of Alkane Resources, trading on the OTCQX under the symbol ANLKY. Alkane has significant assets of zirconium in its double zirconia project with rare earths and rare metals, and then gold in its Tomlingley Gold project, as well as copper in New South Wales, Australia. Welcome back to the program, Ian. Oh, hi, Alice. Glad to be talking to you again. Now, you have a pilot production plant in New South Wales, Australia, for the rare earth metal zirconium. Did I say that right? rare earth metal? It's a rare metal and uh, yes we do have a pilot plant that's uh, processing but it, we actually would produce zirconium, uh, niobium and yttrium and all the rare earth so it's a it's quite a quite a complex process. Well this is a billion dollar project and you have a multi-billion dollar resource and a mine life producing zirconium for 100 years. Let's explain the significance of that along with these offtake agreements that you have in place. The resource is a very substantial resource. We actually discovered it many years ago, but sort of started looking at it seriously about 12 years ago. Most importantly, had a flow sheet developed, I guess, six or seven years ago that looked like it was going to work. Then, of course, decided we really did need to go down the full-scale demonstration pilot plant stage to show that the process did work at a larger scale, then put all the economics to it. And so that's what we've been doing 
the last four or five years and getting very close to sort of making the decision to go. Apart from running the pilot plant, the other most important stage is to get offtake agreements in place and we've been working very hard at that for the last two years and have a couple of very important offtake arrangements in place that will help the project going forward. Now these offtake agreements, are they with Japanese and South Korean concerns? It's a mixture actually. Uh, we've got some Japanese companies and some European companies so I think probably the most significant one is the joint venture we have with Shinetsu, the large Japanese rare earth company and we've managed to get into a very good arrangement with them whereby they will take the two concentrates that we produced from the project, do all the detailed separations to produce individual separated rare earths and then charge us a fee to do that and then finally have basically I guess a first right of refusal to take the samples or take the material and purchase it and then use it for their applications while we can take back the other rare earths and sell them to other customers. So a very, very important step was the joint venture arrangement with Shinetsu and particularly as it de-risks the rare earth part of the process and gets us the separated rare earth that we can sell. So you're producing the concentrate you're wholesaling to them, they're marketing it to other companies that use it, and they're using it themselves for their own production needs. We actually produce a chemical concentrate from the process, not a mineral concentrate, so that chemical concentrate's quite pure, but the process does a separation between the light rare earth and the heavier earth, and that's another important fact. The deposit contains about 25% heavier earth, the very important heavier earth, and so what they do is they take those two concentrates and then do the separation, so it's a, a very workable arrangement with us, uh, they take what they need and, and being a rare earth magnet manufacturer they'll take out things like neodymium and prosodymium, dysprosium and terbium but we'll get back all the others and probably the most important of the others are things like yttrium which goes in for making phosphors, these are for your computer screen your TV screen but also very importantly these days the energy efficient lighting that we're all obviously recommended that we buy so we can see a big market for our yttrium coming off that joint venture. Essentially you'll be producing for today's industrial and technological needs, but with a mine life of 100 years, you're producing far into the future to include technologies yet to be rolled out as well. This company is not just an exploration and development company you're going into production. Absolutely, yes. And we see about 12 months ahead of us right now, and that's still ongoing process development or process improvement work, optimising all the capital and operating costs, uh, putting all the financing structure in place. And we think that's about a 12-month program. We will lodge our environmental impact statement with the state government, and we've allowed about 12 months for that to go through the approval process. So I'd hope to be talking to you this time next year to say, yes, we've pushed the development button, and we will be in production in 2015. How much revenue do you expect to be generating in 2015 then? It'll sort of scale up, but basically it'll be in the range of about 450 to 500 million Australian dollars per annum once it gets fully operational. And we see that happening over about a 6 to 12 month period, but let's say 500 million dollars long term is the revenue that the project can produce. Well, that's a very significant number, and that number won't stop for 100 years, is that right? The nice thing about the project is that the main deposit which we have, we can open pit mine for that length of time. Uh, we also have another deposit nearby. It's about half the grade at this stage, but it's probably about the same size. So realistically, we are not resource constrained in any way, and the, and the project effectively goes forever, I suppose, is the better way to describe it. You'll also have a gold resource at the Tomlingley project. We're very close to starting construction on that to start the operation. It'll produce 50 to 60,000 ounces a year, generating returns.
return, probably cash flow out of that sort of 30 to $40 million a year. Base case is about an eight-year life. We're very confident we'll push that out to eight to 12 years. So if you like, we regard it as our bread and butter business. It'll keep the company moving forward very strongly while we bring the bigger Dubbo project on stream. And just as an, as an aside, um, we recently sold an interest in a very big gold resource. We were in partnership with Newmont, uh, the American gold company, and that was a three million ounce gold resource. But the joint venture structure of being 51 Newmont, 49 Alcane was always going to struggle going forward into development. And we agreed with Newmont that we'd sell it to another Australian gold company called Regis Resources. That transaction was done at about a $150 million deal. So Alcane ended up with about 49% of that. But probably most importantly, the transaction was done in Regis shares. And from the time that we agreed on the deal, those Regis shares went from value from about $75 million to $95 million. So we've done a very nice increase on the value of that project as well. So sometimes you do make the decisions not to develop gold projects or develop other projects and sometimes for other corporate reasons that it's useful to do deals like this. Right now we've probably got $180 million in both cash and those shares sitting there. So we're in a very strong position financially as well. The economy in Australia is one of the few in the world that is really shining and it's probably because of the mining sector, isn't it? It is really. You're very much driven by mining and then very much driven by China's demand. We've come through the GFC surprisingly intact and are uh, weathering the current storm pretty well as well. So yeah, I think the resources sector very much so and, and the demand from China has, has really helped enormously. Ian, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for joining me today on the program. Uh, thanks, Ellis. I appreciate it. I've been speaking with the Managing Director of Alkane Resources, Ian Chalmers. Alkane trades on the OTCQX under the symbol ANLKY. Listen to this segment again on the podcast page of our website, ellismartinreport.com. Find out a bunch more things to find out about at that guy's website, ellismartinreport.com. Geologist and newsletter writer Mickey Fult from mercenarygeologist.com joins us now. Mickey has over 30 years' experience as an exploration geologist, searching for economic deposits of base and precious metals, industrial minerals, coal, uranium, oil and gas, and water in North and South America, Europe, and Asia. He's worked for junior explorers, major mining companies, private companies, and investors as a consulting economic geologist for the past 22 years. Mickey is well known throughout the mining and exploration community for his ongoing work as an analyst, newsletter writer, and speaker. This is Ellis Martin reporting once again from the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. I'm with my friend Mickey Fulk. What do you make of the potential herd mentality here with regard to resources in North America? Will there be a herd? Will it go anywhere? Well, I want to be going the other direction of the herd. I'm a contrarian. So the herd is, at least in the junior resource sector, is a very risk-off environment. And I'm looking for risk-on opportunities in that regard. This is still a beaten-up market, and beaten-up market leads to contrarian opportunities. That makes it a buyer's market, but there's a lot of danger in that. How are you sifting through the danger when you're investing in a market like this? You look for fundamentally strong companies. The criteria have not changed. There's probably less room for error in a bear market than a bull market, but all these companies get washed out just as they did during a raging bull market of 2009 and 2010 when no matter who you are, what company you had, what project you had, whether it had any merit or not, you got financed. That is turned 180 degrees. Only the good companies can raise money 
if they do not have a year or two of capital in the kitty, you better make sure that they have a bunch of dedicated shareholders that are willing to provide that capital when necessary. So you want to be more cautious at this point. You want to perhaps set the bar higher. But there are really good opportunities out there right now. Some of the smart money said this is a buying opportunity of the decade. And it may well prove out to be such. There's good deals out there. One criteria I might perhaps use is I'd be looking at, at companies that have flatlined or have had very little volatility in their share price over the last couple of years. And that means they're relatively stable. If they have money in the bank, so much the better. There's a lot of them. You know, I cover six companies. Four of those companies are still trading above a dollar. We spoke last year, and you like companies with volatility. That's not what you're saying today, or maybe that strategy hasn't changed either. Well, you like volatility because it gives you buying and selling opportunities. Now, I should kind of point out that I'm talking about relative volatility. So you'll see jagged stock charts, and that's better than the downward ski slope sort of charts generally. The idea that you try to avoid volatile stocks I probably what I'm trying to say is you might want to look askance at those that have gone steadily downhill over the last year who have no ability to raise money at legitimate prices without severe dilution. So cash is key right now. Look for companies that have cash in the bank. Look at companies that have maintained or still have reasonable market caps, good projects tight share structures because they've been beaten up in some way, shape, or form too, and those become buying opportunities. Well, this sounds like a long-term strategy. I know when we've, we've spoken previously, you tend to make money on volatility, and you are a trader when there's a trader's market existing. This is not necessarily a trader's market, is it? I think it probably depends on the particular issuer. You know, I've got some stocks I cover that are relatively beaten up or their market caps have gone down somewhat and maybe I'm going to hold them longer than usual waiting for that double, but I'm convinced they're going to double at some point. This perhaps is more of a waiting game. This is a a pick and choose game. This is a bit of a different paradigm where maybe a longer term view works better, but the bottom line is you need to pick fundamentally strong companies with three key criteria, money in the bank and catalysts on the horizon. So from that regard, the means to the goal has not changed. Perhaps you need to look at a longer time period. I haven't heard you highlight a specific metal. So this is not necessarily metal specific. It's company fundamentals, period. Absolutely. You know, the metals I like have not changed. I'm on record about those. Go to my website and find out what I like. But really, there are perhaps three criteria you want to look at on a project. You want to look at the metal, look at the commodity, look at the deposit type. Is it something a junior can do without third-party risk? Look at the geopolitical environment. Look at whether it can be permitted. And that could be any of a number of commodities. But you want to find projects that have potential to become mines or have potential to be spun out into different companies or a split of assets or business combinations or whatever, multiple exit strategies. But you got to start with a good project.
that's the bottom line. That's the key to all these companies. And, and the problem really with the 1,700 plus juniors in this market is there's only so many good projects to go around and that really hasn't changed. Now the nine out of 10 bad projects can't get funded, so you gotta look at even more so, look at, at the one out of 10. In a bull market, everything goes up. In a bear market, everything goes down, and those become buying opportunities. What kind of feedback are you getting from your subscribers right now? What are some of the questions you get asked? When's this gonna end? When's this bear market going to end? And I don't really know, but I, I think it's going to take a year or two more to wash out a lot of these bad companies. We're seeing attrition now. I really hope that we see more attrition and perhaps even massive attrition in the next year or so. And we end up with a, a leaner, cleaner, meaner junior resource sector. Are you looking for companies that might be acquired or projects that might be acquired as a potential way to, to make money in the short run? Well, always you look at potential acquisition targets. That's a sale of a property, unless it's a distressed company, is, is usually a good thing for shareholders. We've seen some M&A activity in uranium space last week. Shareholders, including myself, were rewarded. I took money off the table last week on a company that got acquired. So those are always opportunities, but they're random opportunities, and you never know when they're going to come about. I prefer to certainly include that as criteria. This is acquirable or this potential acquisition. But really what you want to look at are projects that have potential make mines. 95 out of 100 of these companies are certainly 90 out of 100. Their projects have no prayer. And if they don't have anything more than a prayer or a hope or good karma or whatever it takes to convince investors and speculators that this project's going to be viable, then shy away from those companies. Does that mean that 90 to 95 percent of the uh, investing masses and perhaps the uneducated masses have a 90 to 95 percent chance of not succeeding in investing in this type of environment? It's a tough environment. That's a bit of a loaded question. I don't know quite how to ask that. For every seller, there has to be a buyer. And that's part of the problem. There are not very many buyers right now. So people that want to sell have to lower their offers or hit a bid. And so it really is a buyer's market out there. Fair enough. Let's talk about your website, mercenarygeologist.com. It's a free service. All of your subscribers pay you absolutely nothing, and they get your wisdom. Well, I don't know if there's a lot of wisdom involved. They get an opinion. In the words of Jim Rome, I have a take and I don't suck, which basically means I have an opinion and I'm articulate enough to express that opinion. You just don't take anyone's money when it concerns someone <laughs> sponsoring your website. You really have to believe in the fundamentals of the company, period. It's your reputation that's online. Right, absolutely. I have to have success in the companies I pick. We have six sponsors right now. A year ago I had nine or ten. The attrition has come about because I can't find three or four more companies. I have self-imposed limited 10. I can't find another three or four companies I'm interested in covering. You know, it's a tough market. I got six. I'm going to add another one pretty soon, so I'll be up to seven. I'm comfortable with seven. 
Do you also become investors in these companies? Absolutely. I'm an investor before I cover the company. I put my mercenary money where my big mouth is. So uh, I would not cover a company that I wasn't comfortable putting my own high-risk exploration or speculative money into. Mickey, it's always a pleasure to see you and speak with you in, in these forums or anywhere around the world that we're at. Thank you very much for joining me today on the program. Thanks a lot, Alice. I've been speaking with Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist. His website is mercenarygeologist.com. I'm reporting from the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. You can listen to the segment again on our website, ellismartinreport.com. You never write, you never call, but you know if you subscribe to our newsletter on the homepage of our website at ellismartinreport.com, we certainly will. Join me now for a conversation with Stuart Ross, the president of El Tigre Silver Corp. This is Ellis Martin from the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I'm sitting here with the president of El Tigre Silver Corps. El Tigre trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS. And on the OTCQX is EGRTF. I'm with the president of the company, Stuart Ross. Stuart, welcome to the program. Ellis, thanks for for taking me on. It's very nice to be here with you. Now, you're a company that is in the silver exploration and development business in Sonora, Mexico. You've got a a large property there, but yet you have tailings that are fairly significant, and you're taking them into production, or at least that's the plan, in the very near future. Let's talk about that. Okay. The tailings have been accumulated over 35 years of mining that was uh, done originally in the mine from 1903 to 1938, and it comprises about a measured amount of 750,000 to 1 million tons of tailings. That's about three city block, 40 meters deep, a significant amount of tailings. We've done metallurgical and assay tests on it, built a grid and drilled it on 25-meter spacings in order to ensure that the material was consistent throughout. We have approximately 2.65 ounces per ton of silver and 0.01 ounces of gold per ton. Our costs of recovery are going to be between $20 and $22 a ton, somewhere around 11 bucks in cash costs. And given we'll have two ounces per ton, half of that would be the per ounce cost. Well, that's a significantly low number, which bodes well for the company. So you're basically a near almost production organization, aren't you? Yes, we are. We have completed all the permitting that we need. We have acquired the services of a mining engineer. He's under contract with us now. He's designed the plant that we need from the metallurgical work that was done. We are starting to source equipment, and when the money is in the bank for the production equipment, we'll start building immediately. It'll take us about eight to ten months to build the facility and two to three months to ramp it up. So we could be generating revenue from silver sales within 12 to 13 months. Have you figured out what the uh, possible cash flow is going to be? Well, naturally, you have figured out what that is. Uh, Let's talk about that. We have figured it out internally. We haven't published it by way of news release, so we can do back-of-the-envelope economics. We'll do approximately 200 tons per day. We'll have a head grade, given the material we're using, of about 4 ounces per ton, so about 800 ounces per day. If you extrapolate those numbers so you can determine what our revenues are going to be based on $25. We've used 25 in our 
internal calculations, and that's $22 an ounce by two. That's $50 per ton rock that's costing us $20 to take out, 800 ounces per day. Well, fair enough then. And you're going to be able to use that revenue to further develop and explore 431 square kilometers of the El Tigre property in uh, prolific Sonora, Mexico. We do have 431 square kilometers. It's an unimaginable size. It's 15 kilometers by 25 kilometers. The part that we're working on is about 500 hectares in the center of the property. We have a big buffer around it. We own all the property, so if, if anything extended past the working area, then we would have the ability to, it would still be in our concessions. Now, this is a fairly large area, as you've stated. Let's say four, five, six, seven years down the road, how do you envision yourself as a silver producer in the region? What we would like to do is take that 200 tons per day and ramp it up as we discover mineable material that's of the proper grade. We have a drill program in place currently on a small 1.2 kilometer length of the property in the southern end. It is gold, silver, and it will, in fact, this drill program is 2,700 meters for 2013. There's been 5,000 meters drilled by ourselves and 8,000 meters drilled by Anaconda in the 80s. We'll have 50 meter spacings on that 1.2 kilometers, and we will, in fact, be able to produce a block model and update our 43101 with an inferred resource in the second quarter. Our plan would be then to take that money from the production and continue to drill the property because it's open to the north, to the south, and at depth. And we'll just continue to expand whatever that inferred resource is as we move forward. We're drilling this no deeper than 220 meters, 700 feet. We'll open pit this when the time comes for us to mine it. So everything's at surface. We're not talking about anything going on underground, are we? No, we're not. We'll open pit from surface to 200 meters. If there's mineable high grade below that, then we can consider going underground, but for now it's going to be open pit. Stuart, do you see yourself down the road as perhaps a mid-tier company? I know that's a that's a, a big question, but some of the companies in the region, uh, Endeavor Silver, uh, First Majestic, are you ultimately in that category down the road? We'd like to be in that category down the road. What Endeavor and First Majestic, they've both done a heck of a job with their companies. They started out bootstrapped early production and increasing it over the years. We're five to six years behind their timeline, so I would think in five to six years I'll be able to answer the question, but that's certainly the direction we'd like to go. And let's speculate here, potentially with a company that has a 21 cent stock and 50 million shares issued an outstanding. This is a ground floor operation where you can get in fairly inexpensively with the hope of you're not going back into the market for any major financing to dilute the stock. It might be a very worthy investment with all those fundamentals in place. I believe it is, and that is our plan from production. Our plan with early production is to not have to go back to the market to dilute the stock for more exploration. The exploration potential is huge, and we need money to do it. It's best that we generate that money internally, and that's what our plan is through production. Now, you've Sprott involved in Pine Tree Capital, some institutional investors. Let's break down the shareholder base, if you can. Our shareholder base at this point is 41 to 42 percent is owned by the original vendor, Sprott, Pine Tree, and our management director team. The rest of the stock is, well, it was 3 million shares done in a capital pool corporation originally. That's part of the float. We've done four financing since then all of which are now free trading. A lot of the stock in the last 18 months has been taken by private investors who are almost friends and family of the vendor. So 
a lot of that stock's tied up. I'd have to estimate our float would be no more than 10 million shares out of the 50 million. The potential is there for the stock to have significant upside. Fundamental Research did a paid research. I understand what paid research means to most folks, but their estimation of the value of the tailings alone was 30 cents a share. So I think at 20 cents a share, that, that's probably some upside for anybody that's an investor. No, I'm going to be talking to my friend David Morgan about your company. I understand this morning at this particular conference, he named your company as his top pick for this year. Uh, do you know anything about that? David mentioned to me that he had an interview and that he had talked about El Tigre Silver. David is a good friend as well as being a person that I admire from a technical point of view. He understands the silver market very well. He doesn't take positions. He doesn't tout stock. He is, in fact, a believable individual. And, and I think if he's recommended it. He's done that based on what we've done over the past three years. We've only been public for three years, and I think he has faith in the management's ability to get the job done. As I recall, he became a friend of yours based on the work you've done with the company. He has respect for you, and then you gentlemen became friends after that. Yes, that's a fact. We have come to know one another over the last three to four years, and, and it's been through a mutual respect. I admire what he does in his line of work, and I think he's got a fair amount of respect for what we've done with this company. Well, Stuart, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I appreciate your time this morning. And, of course, you are a sponsor of David's segment on our program. Stuart, thanks so much for joining me today on the Ellis Martin Report. Ellis, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it very much. The Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp., trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. You've just shared part of your life with the Ellis Martin Report. Remember, this is actually one of those paid programs where companies and individuals hand over cash to people like us to let you hear all about themselves. Find us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.